0: I.V.M.
1: This is Audio Gan, And I am your host, Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. I'm quoting our today's guest from one of his articles. I have this presentation that starts with me asking my viewers to identify three sets of entities that are put forth visually. The first set is Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas. The second set is Narendra Modi and Donald Trump. And the third is a species of dragonfly which are very common in India called ground skimmer. And most common people, unless they are scientists, can identify the first set of entities but not the third one. And that's my main complaint because my life Lives of my viewers revolve more around the dragonfly rather than Priyanka Chopra or Narendra Modi. As the dragonfly eats mosquitoes and saves us from diseases. Today, after a long chase, finally we have Rohan Chakravarti with us on audio again. He frankly needs no introduction. Rohan is a cartoonist, illustrator, wildlife buff and creator of Green Humor, a series of comic strips about nature. He tweets as the Toon Guy and posts as at the rate green underscore humor on Instagram. There's some really wonderful interviews where many of his thoughts are gracefully captured. And I encourage listeners to read those first and then tune into the show. Uh, we'll try and document a few of Rohan's philosophies and his worldview uh, in today's episode. So thank you, Rohan, for giving your time. It's a real, real honor to have you on Audio again.
2: Thanks a lot, Kedar. Thanks for having me on the show uh, among such a, a distinguished set of uh, guests you've had before. It's a real honor to be here.
1: Awesome, great. And I'll also tell the listeners that uh, Rohan has already given a disclaimer that there will be some birds, uh, some pets uh, around him uh, as disturbance, and that's quite acceptable because uh, it's, it's quite organic for him to be in the nature. <laughs> so, yeah. So and I, this I, is
2: a show about wildlife, so. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping it will be a natural ambient sounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, wildlife and also a bit of uh, design and illustration which is like the core of uh, AudioGAN. so of yeah. Uh, I wanted to just like avoid the cliche question, but uh, I, I've been getting some feedback from my listeners saying that uh, how like, can you like, can you just have a very small introduction uh, for those who are new or maybe just have stumbled upon the episode. So I wanted to start off by Asking that, how did you get into this, uh, and especially what keeps you motivated to go in the depths uh, of each artwork, right? Uh, at, at various levels, it's technically, politically, uh, artistically, obviously, and if any other dimension that you capture. So, if you can just give some context, and then we'll we'll move on. Thanks a lot, Kedar. I
2: really appreciate that you want to avoid cliches. I get asked this question every in a, every interview and in every uh, conversation about my work, about how I started, and I keep telling people that it was the sighting of a tigress that prompted the idea of green humour. And I've said this, uh, although it is a true story, I've said this, you know, more than 30-35 times and I'm sure that tigress by now is cursing me. Uh, But yeah, that is the true story, Uh, it was the sighting of my first wild tigress that uh, really prompted uh, me to combine two of my passions, which is cartooning and wildlife and see what comes out of it. Eventually, uh, five years down the line, after that happened, Green Humor, Green Humor was born. Uh, so, like uh, the, the the example you quoted about, about the the game I play with my, uh, you know, people who view my presentation, uh, I, I did a similar thing uh, once in a uh, in a festival in Bombay where I uh, showed people two slides. One was Nizella Lawson and the other was the grey mullet. It's a common, commonly eaten fish all around our coasts. And it sustains a a large part of India's population. But uh, people could identify Nigella, who's a chef Mm -hmm. from another country, but not the fish that sustains half, you know, almost uh, the entire Indian coastal population. So that's my grouse with the way uh, we consume information uh, and the way biodiversity is treated uh, by people who are responsible for disseminating most of the information we consume. Uh, And I think that that really needs changing. I think, uh, you know, biodiversity and conservation should be, should occupy the front pages and the most important pages of newspapers and, you, you know, these days online columns and websites, which does not tend to happen. So, I try to infuse as much life, as much as much zing as possible into that kind of communication so that, uh, you know, it uh, it's a step towards making it mainstream. And that's what I, I've been trying mm-hmm. to do. And there are a lot of issues uh, in that discourse to break down and to simplify for viewers, for lay viewers like myself. Uh, that includes uh, not just wildlife and conservation, but also wildlife biology. Also the social politics of, of environment conservation in a country like ours, where those two uh, things can really not be separated. So there is a lot to do uh, in terms of uh, creative co- communication around ecology and conservation. And that's uh, my work, hopefully is one small step in that direction.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, not dwelling into or or uh, ranting about the, the colonialism or what happened due to the invasions? But you have been in a uh, 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 lot of like dense forests in Arunachal Pradesh and, and other places, uh, and also one of the interviews had this line that people, including me and and around me, can identify cars and brands and logos, but okay. can't identify trees or birds. So have you pondered upon like like if you if you zoom out uh, of a of a 500 year scale? Like what happened? Like uh, because the indigenous people know everything, like, and they may not uh, obviously know Priyanka Chopra, but they can definitely identify like two different uh, plants which have like one is a poisonous or like we see in uh, what this Ranveer Kapoor show, that what 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 is Ranveer Singh show that there are two sets of berries and one is a poisonous, and you can identify those, but not really. Uh, you have any thoughts around that? Like, have you pondered ki ye kaise hua? Like, why did it happen? Or uh, any insights you have because of your travel? Mainly,
2: I have to be a historian to answer that question correctly. But I, from whatever I know, it has a lot to do with capitalism and colonialism. And a lot of the concepts that still exist about conservation and the way you know environmental conservation or nature conservation in India is looked at has its roots embedded in in a colonial understanding of the issue. And uh, I would really urge people to, who want to, you know, challenge themselves and learn more about how exactly uh, it happens on field and what kind of uh, viewpoints come into conflict with each other. I would really urge them to travel to uh, places that indigenous communities occupy uh, or inhabit. And uh, because I have had the access to such communities and such places, I know that a lot of my own understanding of conservation was colonial and in order to convey, uh, that kind of information correctly to myself and to my viewers. I had to unlearn and relearn a lot of concepts. So, for example, I you know in Arunachal where I spent a considerable uh, amount of time working with uh, working on forest department projects uh, and communi- uh, community conservation projects. I have stayed in the homes of people who hunt uh, wild animals. People who have been from hunting families. Uh, they hunt both for subsistence and for festivities. And yet. Even though hunting for bushmeat is constitutionally illegal, I have seen that it, it happens in a far more sustainable manner than uh, say a project that is, uh, that that can at best be called unplanned development. You know, a dam for example in a northeastern river where there is already seismic uh, activity, there is already already seismic instability and yet the dam goes through. Uh, you know, community lives are in danger, wildlife is in danger and yet the dam goes through. So. Uh, you know, it's for anybody with common sense to pick which one is more sustainable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I remember this film by Satyajit Ray, Aparajito, where right. uh, they're having this uh, discussion of like uh, the Agori people eating uh, all sorts of living beings and, and right. quite uncivilized in a colonial sense. And to that, uh, what do you call uncivilized? Like just putting a bomb and destroying like generations. Uh, right. uh, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki at one sweep is civilization or just people like eating and eating to survive and not right. really to dominate or so you want to share any nuances because I was just going through one of the article uh, where you said that I haven't tried human meat yet so I'm the wrong person to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm talking about uh, the article where you mentioned that these people are very particular that uh, whom to whom to kill uh, when it comes to uh, the gender, the kind of species they look at, right. uh, whether it's a herd or whether it's a standalone. Like any any observations, which uh, was See, not. it's
2: not just about uh, how they hunt or what they hunt, uh, you know. And it's it's also about uh, the way that their their very lifestyles are intertwined with the workings of the natural world, and that's something uh, you know. When, when I was exposed to that, I felt that my own lifestyle, even though I draw about wildlife, is, is very disconnected with, with nature. Uh, you know, right from uh, the turmeric that is used in their kitchens to, uh, to the folklore that they pass on to their children. For example, in the eastern part of uh, Arunachal, around, around where Mishimi Hills uh, is. That, that's where people, uh, you know, particularly the Idu Mishmi tribe, they, they think of the tiger as their brothers. And it is inherently embedded in them to not kill tigers. So you know, it's it's very unlikely that you will find a poacher from that community. So mm. you know, the there are these ethos that are are inherently embedded in in uh, in a lot of uh, indigenous communities. And uh, it would be wrong on my part to appropriate that in this interview because I do not know much, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to do that but what i mean to say is that uh, it is uh, it is something that our discourse on our official discourses at least on conservation has been missing out on uh, and also actively ignoring because there is a uh, you know there are there is land at stake there is a lot of money at stake and uh, there is there are profits to make and all this comes in the way of uh, colonial traditional uh, conservation so uh, what Needs to be done now is that this kind of uh, a, a, sus, a sustain a truly sustainable model of conservation needs to be mainstreamed needs to be spoken about and it the the right voices need need to reach people in in authority.
1: No, but when you say sustainability, again, this word is also a little bit abused. So, you have any insights as to? Because I have seen people are working in depth online they are like actually working at a grassroots level and and running around and, and 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 you like it's a you're probably in a great spot where you are getting to travel look at them first hand and then translate into art and then translate into your your humor uh, and bring it mainstream but uh, like can this be scaled like this is sustainability ka, like cliche definitions of actually sustainability
2: you're asking very scientific uh, questions and I'm not a scientist, so I don't know how much of it I'm uh, qualified to answer, but I'll give you my personal opinion on sustainability. I think an urban dweller like you or me is not capable of a sustainable life, uh, practically speaking. I, I don't think I am. But still, I, I do my best to meet the standards of what I perceive as, you know, a sustainable life. Uh, so, the, whatever steps I can take, being where I am, you know, that that is... Sustainability to me. And uh, that involves a lot of things like cutting down on your meat, cutting down on your travel, cutting down on your usage of plastic, uh, all things that are non biodegradable to whatever capas- capacity you can execute. And uh, a large part of it has also got to do with the way you are uh, uh, a democratically and elect- electorally oriented citizen, which means that the way you vote is also a, uh, a very important factor of sustainability. And, uh, you know, I, I think that determines how sustainable you are a lot more than, uh, you know, your zero waste life or your, uh, you know, the, the bamboo toothbrush you're using. <laughs> so, it's it's uh, on a lot of levels. And uh, I think the, the best an individual can do really adds up as a community. Mm, got it,
1: got it. Okay, so maybe we'll just slightly uh, change gears from uh, the, the wildlife thing, but a little bit of art. Like, if you can also set some context of, like, what's the difference between a comic, uh, a cartoon, uh, and an illustration? And uh, I know, like, people loo- use them interchangeably, the way people right. use typeface and font. <laughs> uh, but uh, how do you, like, sort of… Capture these new, maybe yeah. You can first start off with like the difference, and then we'll move on. Thank you. Now I feel like it's
2: a a podcast about design. Uh, <laughs> so uh, of course n- nowadays, you know, definitions and terms really don't matter to readers or consumers much. They are used in to interchangeably, left, right, and center. But uh, I tend to be somewhat pedantic in these matters still because I'm from a generation. Uh, of cartoonists that aspire to be in the print and you know, all my idols have been in the print. Uh, So, and again, it's bad news for me because the print is dying and you know, we have to figure out ways and means to survive on the web. So anyway, uh, speaking about definitions, I think uh, a cartoon is traditionally speaking is a humorous visual that may or may not have captions. It becomes a comic strip when there is a sequence of these images. That's what we call a comic strip. Uh, what you normally read in the uh, in the Sunday paper, uh, that those are comics, comic strips. A graphic novel is uh, when you publish a full length book that uh, may include comic strips or may include a story in a comic or a graphic format. An illustration is simply the visual interpretation of st- of text. Even a photograph is an illustration. Even a painting that depicts textual information is is an illustration. So. Of course, all of these can be loosely and interchangeably used, but uh, for pedantic people like me and you, <laughs> definitions still matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and then how do you like sort of capture the nuances or or capture the core essence, I would say, uh, of what you wish to communicate? Because I'm sure you are inspired by certain visuals, you are inspired by events or like certain situations which happen around you, and this is particularly to understand because i'm not like i've i've bought few of your uh, posters and and but not as much as into wildlife as i'm supposed to do be. right but i was like just i became your fan when i saw the abbas uh, kirostami comic uh, i think you had done with mubi or Thank someone you. where um, You just like one photo, like one, just one illustration and it captured the essence of the movie completely. So how do you arrive at it or what is the process if you can just, uh, I know asking an artist about the process is a tricky one, but I'm trying to just pick your brain. (laughs)
2: I'm really glad you brought up the movie collaboration. I collaborated with movie on a small set of cartoons that uh, promoted some of the uh, the movies in their gallery. I'm a big cinema buff, and I keep a track of art house as well as the bad stuff that uh, you know uh, India turns out. Yeah. Uh, both the good and the bad stuff. I think uh, there's a uh, there's a new wave. Going on in down south and especially in Malayalam cinema. So anyway, I, I keep a track of cinema uh, from around the world, and uh, this was very special because it involved uh, film promoting films through cartoons, and these are films by some of my favorite filmmakers like Abbas Ke Rastana. So uh, that was an interesting deviation from my usual work, which is environmental and uh, scientific in nature. How I approach uh, the creative aspect of my work is uh, is rather simple. Uh, I think I am as a reader or as a consumer of information i am pretty slow you know i i tend to decode understand and retain things very slowly uh, so my goal is that whatever i draw uh, you know it, it has to become a means for me to retain and not only retain but also respond to that the information that i've read or i want to convey and once it has done so for me, I'm sure that it will do so for my readers. I generally assume that my readers are smarter people than, than I am. So uh, if if I can understand what I'm drawing about and it, makes, it entertains me, then I'm sure it will have the same impact on my readers. So that's the thumb rule I follow. Uh, a lot of things uh, find their way into what I draw as inspiration or influences. Uh, mostly, I think the best kind of inf- uh, inspiration is when I have actually seen an animal or I've actually interacted with... Uh, something that I'm drawing about. It could be a community, it could be an issue that I've witnessed. Uh, so there are various aspects to it. But uh, also, I do draw about a lot of things that I do not witness, witness firsthand, especially for my columns. And uh, these involve, you know, drawing polar animals. I haven't been to the polls yet, unfortunately. Uh, drawing about wildlife from around the world. And uh, for that, I do extensive homework. I read up as much as possible. I watch videos whenever they're available. I look up documentaries, etc. I also interact with a lot of scientists from around the world as part of my work. Uh, People who are working on a specific set of animals, people who are working with climate change, people who are working with uh, communities in terms of building resilience uh, around disaster and climate change. And all of that finds
1: its way into my work one way or the other. Awesome, yeah, great. Um, Sometimes ignorance is bliss is true because even when I am doing these interviews, uh, I I don't know at what point I should keep researching to find the nuances or <laughs> or just like ask with go on with the basic questions. But then where does the humor come from?
2: Oh, just a few sc- uh, loose screws in your head. That's all it takes. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I I mean uh, you you keep hearing these days, uh, especially stand up comedians who are slightly left wing or I would say just uh, trying some dissent. They say that they don't need to like hunt for a joke, uh, the joke is yeah. right happening on the TV. <laughs> so yeah. uh, are things happening around you when you travel in the wildlife situation or or uh, big brands like doing some stuff under the name of sustainability or anything which catches your fancy or... I'll just
2: poke uh, okay on the left wing bit. I don't think that's a right word to use for a comedian or a cartoonist because, uh, you know, the, the core essence of comedy or cartooning is to derive some kind of, uh, you know, fun and pleasure from offending people. So, uh, a cartoonist, I keep saying this, a cartoonist is never a leftist or a rightist, rightist. he's purely a sadist. And that's (laughs) how I describe Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, there there is a lot of, uh, you know, uh, politics, a lot of things that should not be happening in the name of conservation that keep happening. Uh, Coincidentally, today. is the day of the cheetah reintroduction program in india and uh, that's again one of, of a prime example of this country's misplaced priorities you know uh, lions have been waiting to for a satellite population to be established in the same park where cheetahs are being reintroduced uh, an entire tribe has been relocated from from the park first so that lions could come in then a lot of politics got in the way of lion reintroduction. The lions are still suffering in Gujarat. Every time there is uh, a disease, it wipes out, you know, a fourth of the population. And we we don't know what else to do with, with lions because our politicians refuse to part with uh, the core population in order to establish a satellite population. And all of that is being ignored now to bring in an other set of problems to, to this country, uh, you know, which is which is nothing but a I'd say, uh, uh, and a lot of uh, people who are conservationists and scientists uh, share this opinion, that it's just a case of misplaced priorities. You know, it's just a case of creating pomp and show instead of resolving core issues. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how how this is going to to turn out, but I really hope and wish the cheetahs well. Uh, And I really hope that they can make something out of this country. So, uh, a lot of things are happening that shouldn't be happening and, you know, uh, that's why I feel there are a lot of uh, nuances in this discourse that need to be broken uh, and simplified. And I think uh, humour is a very good tool to do that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I remember this comic panel, uh, like this four four slide panel where uh, there's a bear uh, in the wild and then the same bear is in a mall. And the annotation or whatever the script says that uh, how come you are here and the bear asks how come you are here. Right. <laughs> like I was here before. <laughs> so so uh, like it is comedy but yeah, I know what you mean. So how would you define sort of your style of work because you come from dentist or not from a, like a design school kind of a background. So yeah. uh, how how did you arrive at the style or… What, what style of work? Is it… Yeah. Yeah. Is it just blanket sadist or any… I'm guessing are
2: you're a- asking about my art style. Uh, so yes. Yes. Art I'll style. Yeah. I mean… A bit. Yeah. Hmm.
0: yeah,
1: please.
2: So as far as my humor is concerned, it is influenced by a lot of uh, cartoonists uh, I've, and humorists I've read. Uh, some of my… Uh, imaginary mentors include Bill Watterson the creator of Calvin and Hobbes Gary Larson who's probably my favorite cartoonist uh, and his humor was very dark he would uh, use a lot of offensive humor in a mainstream column and get away with it and that really inspired me to you know make my humor as dark as possible whenever I can uh, and uh, I also read a lot of Woody Allen and watched his films I know it's a controversial mm. name to take uh, you know he has a lot of very serious allegations against him but uh, as far as his work as a humorist is concerned i think it's quite tremendous and uh, uh, especially his written uh, word which not many people are uh, you know well acquainted with because his movies are more popular but uh, i think woody allen uh, and his humor also gave me the uh, the drive to experiment with different kinds of humor and you know see what uh, works best in a given situation so that's a, i think uh, reading woody allen has been a really good exercise for me as as humorist or a cartoonist uh, other than all of this, uh, there's the art side of it also, which is, you know, very important, the visual aspect of it and that, uh, I'm a self taught artist, I, I haven't undergone any formal training in art. So I've grown up on 2D animation, I've watched a lot of Warner Brothers, Hanna, uh Chuck Jones. Uh, my favourite animator has been Gendy Tartakovsky, the guy who created Dexter's Lab. So it's his art style that has been a major influence in my work and I, I consider him my you know my imaginary lifelong mentor. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you also mentioned like critiques uh, generally don't think or or they generally have like a apprehension about uh, anthropomorphism That's uh, right. as, a, yes, as right. a weakness of storytelling. So why do you think it is uh, the case? Because it's quite natural and intuitive, right?
2: I feel so. I I think I, uh, having grown up on animation, I feel that anthropomorphism is indispensable to my work because that is what helps me build the connection between my subjects, which are usually animals, and my audiences, which are people. So, uh, you know, you really need that kind of a bridge to connect to two disconnected entities. And that's what anthropomorphism does for me. But a lot of people uh, who critique that kind of uh, communication are of the opinion that it creates tropes it creates stereotypes because uh, you know and, and those are quite uh, they become quite entrenched over time for you know a prime example is the big bad wolf of red riding hood and just to undo the notion that some, that, that kind of literature creates is a really difficult uh, process so i think anthropomorphism comes with a lot of responsibility you know you mm-hmm. have to know what you're talking about you have to really understand your subject like the back of your hand before you approach uh, the, that kind of communication. And you have to be prepared to deal with, uh, you know, if, if you you made a mistake, how to rectify it. You know, you have to have a plan B every time you're using anthropomorphism as a tool. So, uh, a lot of organizations I work with are also of the opinion that anthropomorphism is not the right way to go. So, I have to adapt my approach to suit their needs. For example, WWF that published my first comic book. Uh, rejected my first concept for it, uh, you know, because it involved an anthropomorphic animal and eventually I had to redo the whole concept and that became the Great Indian Nature Trail, which was my first comic book uh, and it involved human characters. So, there are roadblocks like these uh, that I encounter on a on a daily basis in my work and I think there are also creative challenges for you to solve.
1: Mm. But are you, is there a conscious effort not to do it or particularly use it or it it's just a tool to express your thing or it's just a medium so that the point is communicated rather than constantly consciously trying to avoid it or introduce it
2: no for me it's neither it's just that i relate better with animals than people and to me they speak much more distinctly than human beings do so that hmm. you know it's it's as simple as that hmm, hmm,
1: hmm. yeah because i was reading this article where i mean anthropom Automorphism is kind of very, you you put it rightly, it's a lot of responsibility, especially in a country like India, where we revere, where we look up to idols, where we look up to like personification of a lot of things. So it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's a slippery slope. So that then what do you do to like avoid or or hold accountability and yet use it like sort of responsibly?
2: I try to know what I'm drawing about as well as possible. I do a lot of homework. uh, Every comic strip I draw about has three pages of notes and one page of the comic draft itself. So you know, that's the kind of research uh, I like to do for what I draw. Um, And I think uh, it's not just about the animal or just about its life. It's also about, uh, you know, especially when there are policies around that particular creature or that, uh, you know, a particular place, then you have to know whether you, the stand you're taking is uh, ethically and morally sound or not. And I think that's that's the tricky bit because there's so much misinformation these days and you really have to uh, be exposed to the right kind of people, the right kind of literature uh, to check your facts, to constantly, you know, verify what, what if your stand is correct or not. Cartooning, unfortunately, comes with a lot of opinion uh, and, uh, and I, I'd like to make sure that the opinion I'm presenting is morally
1: and ethically sound hmm. but youlogical yeah, to like people get offended and like trolling to common for any reason it, could yeah, yeah, be, yeah. it was so, so well I know again a cliche question but a little bit of your experience do you avoid this do you like just keep every notification on mute uh, or engage in a dialogue to like explain where you're coming from or just like leave it
2: <laughs> I've tried a mix of everything and I think what works best is that uh, you have to realize that uh, you know you do not owe your audience your sanity you know and you have to abide by that principle to just go on uh, keeping doing what what you do and yeah eventually you get a rhino skin and you know things move, smooth out
1: yeah beautiful and since you're a movie buff uh, we recently lost uh, Godard and he used right. to say that Who's jumping in the void needs no explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I want to just talk a little bit about how do you find like a good balance between the artistic side of your work and the scientific side, because uh, you have engaged in a lot of infographics also, as we call it in the UI world. Um, And then how has it changed over time? Like does any particular because when you, when you are loaded with a lot of information, so for example, I'm also doing another project called Legends of India, where I just wish to document, uh, people know like Gandhiji's, probably just one or two marches, but there were like 16 of them. Now, obviously, you have to do research and then plot them and then think of placing them in the right order. There could be multiple variations of representing the same information when it comes to infographic. So, that side, pure technical, ho gaya and then, like, if you can share any uh, learnings from there, ki, how do you strive that balance? Sure. So,
2: uh, I've been lucky that a lot of my projects have happened with scientists, and these are some of the best scientists in India: ecologists, wildlife biologists, uh, uh, organisations uh, like Nature Conservation Foundation, Wildlife Trust of India, WWF, and many others, uh, BirdLife International. Uh, and I've also taken co- these kind of collaborations abroad where I've collaborated with uh, you know, scientific uh, conservation organizations like Save Our Seas. I'm doing a project with Aquabams right now, uh, which is a, a, a council of Mediterranean governments. So, uh, I do have uh, a considerable access to information that is scientifically sound around ecology. Uh, and I also, I think I'm really lucky in a way that uh, this is something that my wildlife biologist friends keep telling me that, you know, they have to work with the same animal all their lives, but uh, my kind of portfolio allows me to explore, you know, it's a dolphin this month, it could be a dung beetle next week, it could be a polar bear. So I, I think that's, uh, I look at it as an endless, uh, you know, universe for me to explore. And uh, that really helps me keep the art side of things going, the creative side of things going. Uh, to, to maintain the right kind of scientific balance, uh, I have had considerable experience with scientists, considerable access to their work, how they function, the kind of uh, you know literature they have to publish to substantiate their findings. Uh, in fact, my last book, Naturalist Study, was all about this. I actually went through really dreary and boring scientific papers, and then try to convert them into mysteries that my detective mongoose solves. So this was a bit to make science interesting to the layman, you know. Mm. And uh, and of course, having scientists in my own family really helps. My brother is a bat biologist; he's doing his PhD on bats. My wife is an urban ecologist. So. Conversations with them always help. And every time I'm in, in doubt about the scientific side of things that I'm presenting in a cartoon, they always come to my rescue. Hmm,
1: hmm. But like, do you ever sort of, oh, creators block, hota na? again, I don't know whether it's a cliche one, but no, There's no, information information that you like, then yeah. it and then when you're removing, you sometimes tend to lose the essence. So right. zoom in, zoom out, back and forth, I it? For me, creative blogs happen
2: every day and you know it's, it's just something an artist has to figure out a way to live with. So, I treat a creative blog as a sign that you know your brain is telling you to replenish it. Uh, you know, it could be as simple as going for a walk, listening to music, cooking something nice or maybe reading up, reading a, an, an interesting book, reading up more literature about what you're drawing about uh and yeah i think eventually it all falls together unless of course there's a deadline to meet <laughs> so <laughs> mm. so yeah i think artists shouldn't look at creative blocks as as a uh, as a threat it's more uh, of uh, of an enrichment or a replenishment for for your gray matter mm. so uh, so yeah i think that's my opinion on it
1: yeah and and because of the trolling uh, and these days the political narrative has been increasing. Uh the yes, situation of is quite tough changing. So <laughs> bhi I'll apprehensions. Aata hai ki nahin, yaar, I'll go all out and then face it. Uh because uh, the cause and the the place yeah. where you're coming from is quite uh honest and, and needs to be done in a particular way. So
2: See, as long as I was being trolled, uh, you know, it, it was still acceptable to me and I was, uh, you know, okay with it. But uh, nowadays what happens is that uh, some people write in support of your work and they get trolled instead of you. And that is not acceptable to me. And especially, uh, you know, some of these are female friends and the kind of trolling women receive online is is far more derogatory than you or I can, uh, uh, can ever be exposed to. And if my work is causing that kind of a reaction, you know, I I would be very apprehensive of putting that kind of opinion out. So I I do need to be careful about what kind of reactions, uh, you know, a particular cartoon will incite. Uh, But I think as long as there is honesty in what you portray, uh, you know, there's always something to fall back on.
1: Hmm. Got it. Cool. I think um, I'm I'm sure like, like in person interview and talking about the kind of work you do, the huge body of work that you have done. I think you can just keep talking endlessly and I'll run out of questions but you have definitely a lot more to share. Uh, so just keeping this this interview a bit short, uh, I wanted to conclude with little cliche question, bear with me. Like, what's the toughest part of your job?
2: <laughs> wow, the toughest part of my job? I haven't really thought about this. Uh, again, I would say that it is uh, striking that balance between, uh, you know, Good humor and good science. Uh, that's that's really difficult to achieve and I still struggle with it uh, even today. I don't know if, uh, you know, making a cartoon funny is, is taking the science away or making a cartoon scientifically accurate is taking the humor away. And uh, I work with a lot of different people who have their own different opinions. For example, uh, I just made a joke for uh, a set of scientists I'm working with about scientists being on LinkedIn and not really being well-versed with other kinds of social media and they... Kind of took took offense to it, so I I really don't know where, which spot, what joke will hit. So figuring people out, people's mindsets out with respect to humor is I think that that's a really tricky part. But I think as long as your work is entertaining you as an artist, you know, there's always that. I think that that's when you think you you can safely think that you are doing something right.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, I there is extension that uh, Appu Penn, uh, uh, ke sat, uh, yes. I had done an interview with had pen interview, and he said ki, like these days, comic uh, artists or, or generally, they, they just are waiting for something and uh, quickly sketch something and put out on Instagram to just for, be first in the race to have their opinion against a particular nice. situation. Nice. So, this is a uh, ajibo i wouldn't say bad because again konse access se dekh but right. uh, somehow it the incentives are different in that case That's right. uh, unka shelf life uh, artwork ka uh, small So, do right so you Absolutely. have any yes. have any thoughts ki, like not like how to avoid or refrain from just that this quick right. million likes versus putting out a work which is going to sustain some time and hopefully be insightful.
2: If you ask me, honestly, you know, even that should not be the drive that pushes you to create art. I think it's not the platform that should govern art. It should be the other way around. Art should be governing the platform. So that's my opinion of it. I think, you know, your inspiration, your motivation to create that particular piece or to your belief in what you're drawing, that should be the primary motive about for you to go out and create. it. Not to win a race, not to uh, win likes or shares or whatever uh, you know the online medium has to offer. Uh, of course, sustaining it monetarily—that's also a primary concern these days because uh, you know we, there's a global recession going on. People do not have the money for art, and we really have to struggle to uh, to uh, to make our art useful for people. So, so I I don't judge people who are you know, uh, doing all using hashtags to to stay on top. Uh, but I personally don't believe that, that you know that is doing justice to my art. I feel that my belief in what I want to convey in what I want to portray that should be the primary driving force.
1: Hmm. So it is more of the content to drive that output rather than like that's right whatever 4 by 3 box that's right yes absolutely. <laughs> Cool. Uh, and what would be like top 3 things uh, that you would suggest i know again even it's very tough to answer ki, yar, batao, tip and then improve it but again given the body of your work and and the uh, the the widespread and the depth you have accomplished it would be definitely helpful for few Fellow designers and, and definitely the younger generations. Because they are very strong strong So just to right. channelize, right. if you have any top 2-3 things that you would suggest artists, designers, problem solvers rather, uh, uh, right. to, to be like you uh, or like the put out good work? The first tip
2: I would ever give to any artist, senior or junior, is to spend more time daydreaming and less time on social media. Uh, that's what... <laughs> Pushes you to create better art, frankly. You, you have to imagine more and you have to consume less. Uh, the second would be
1: that. I have to counter. Maybe sure. you Haan. can have like a sort of a. No, please, lab, please. I, even, yeah, even I say that dream, daydreaming is not used, but consume less, mein na, I have a slightly different opinion. I have a slightly different opinion. I have told you consume more, but consume laterally. Rather than consume just going on, also, Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Just yeah. going yeah. on dribble and observing how UI is made or going on some fancy website and just observing their patterns and some artwork. Of course, See, rather mean, yeah. like poetry paddo, yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, right. Kuch, kuch play but consume pura like I mean, for a lack of a better word, you you shit what you eat, right? So you have to be careful of what you're eating. <laughs> so uh, what do you think of it? Right.
2: No I agree with uh, what you said. Consume, consumption involves consuming more responsibly and consuming what really enriches you rather than you know junk. So hmm. Hmm. so I agree. Uh, other than that I don't really have advice to offer to artists but I I would like to use this platform to seek advice rather because uh, like I said I'm from an obsolete generation of cartoonists you know we, we don't know what to do once the print, print is dead and the print is dying a slow inevitable death and I'm you know me and people like me are struggling to find a platform online so uh, and unfortunately no matter how many number of social media followers we have it never really translates to to a monetary you know gain so so i would use uh, this platform to seek advice from youngsters who are comfortable with social media who are doing all sorts of uh, you know great work uh, and reaching out uh, to people uh, to to tell me how to monetize my work on on the web and uh, if there are any uh, pieces of specific advice you would like uh, you have for me that I could follow except becoming a social media influencer and dancing on Instagram reels I would be very happy to hear from
1: you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe and and how do people reach out to you on, on Instagram at green humor yes my my email address is listed on all my social media and my website uh, pages so yeah. you can write to me yeah and i can all uh, also vouch for it that he responds to emails despite uh, <laughs> being his busy schedule but uh, yeah any any other thing that you want to share Ki, uh, we would no that's all i just hope
2: that such con- conversations uh, keep happening and that uh, you know the spotlight is shed, shed on important topics
1: Cool, I think uh, then we can conclude this. Uh, this is would be a good note. Uh, I don't know how to thank you for your time. Uh, I'll just say no, thank thanks
2: you. Thanks to you, Kedar. Thanks for considering me for this.
1: All right. Uh, everybody knows uh, the handles, but uh, I'll just repeat it again. For you to connect with uh, Rohan uh, on Twitter, the toon Guy, and um, at the rate green underscore humor on Instagram and uh, email ID is rohanchakcartoonist at gmail.com my
2: website is greenhumor.com yeah.
1: yeah yeah i'll i'll put everything in the show notes and please again go through the brilliant articles uh, i know this interview is a little bit shorter and uh, for to cover what rohan has been doing but uh, yeah it's a great start thank you so much kedar thanks thanks a lot for your time and that's it from today's gan session for show notes and more GAN, visit audiogan.com. And if you wish to connect with me, I am at AudioGAN Moments on Instagram. Until then, take care.
0: Hello! It's been a great week on the IBM Podcast Network. On this round is on me, Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda, they talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish thing Anish welcomes ultra-marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On ThinkFast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuniwan, Sheila Duthia is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Nutty Gritties. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media via IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on youtube.com slash ibmpodcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week. Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks guys. Without you, this would not be possible. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from.